Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to O23 Radio, the only show in the industry that focuses on optimizing the other 23 hours of the day. So you can transform your clients and your career on a whole new level. This show is for seasoned coaches and experienced leaders in the health and fitness industry to engage in professional level discussion on all things regarding bigger impact for our clients, better incomes for ourselves, and real meaningful influence in this loud and crowded space. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of O23 Radio. Uh, we're back with another fun one today. We got the whole crew once again, um, you know, coming at you from West Kelowna, Canada. Over here, we got Brian and, and Matt over in, uh, over in New York. How are you guys doing today? Great. Doing good, man. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. This is a, this is a fun podcast that we've been talking about. We've been planning for a little bit here. And today, we're going to dive into all of our biggest career failures and you know all of the the lessons and everything we've learned over the course of our uh, pretty extensive coaching careers that we've had, and I think this is uniquely a, a pretty cool one because we have uh, these unique perspectives that are kind of the three main realms that people can go into in the coaching space. Um, you know, myself as a career coach, uh, a full time CrossFit coach in person working for someone else, Matt as a you know head strength and conditioning coach at a top level university, and then Brian as the gym owner. We kind of have the 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 trifecta of different approaches of different areas that people really kind of want to go into when they think about being a coach. And and through all of this, we've learned a lot. And <laughs> one of our one of our sayings is you know you you either win or you learn, and we definitely learned a lot. And so going through, it seemed like it would be a, a valuable, a valuable uh, share for us to go through and just uh, be able to give back and share some of those as well as just reflect on it for ourselves and, and everything that led us to, to exactly where we are now. Because, you know, as much as we, again, call these failures, quote unquote, all of these are, are pieces in what led us to where we are and were, were important, uh, important, you know, pieces of the puzzle to, to get where we are. So with that said, I think we're kind of just going to jump into this one and basically each go around talking about our experiences, what we got and, uh, and, and, you know, how this contributed to where we are. So, so throwing it over first, Matt, why don't you jump in and, and kind of take off with the, the first one here? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome intro, Jordo. And, and, you know, what we talk about is like, we either win or we learn. I have another little uh, addition to that. It's either, you know, when you're in the, when you're in the pits and you're at the bottom, the only way out is to learn your way out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think like that's something for me that I've, I've taken and applied a little bit to, you know, these stories that, that we're going to share individually, but also for myself is, you know, life is very nonlinear as you guys know. And when you're at that, that low trending type of type of bottom out, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity to learn your way back up. And, you know, like collegiate strength and conditioning was the absolute dream for me. And, you know, just that's from 16 years old, it was like a decision that this is something I, I, I was super interested in. I wanted to go to college for that and ultimately was stepping into that and, and was able to do that for almost a decade. And it was, you know, sometimes I always tell people, it's like, I had to almost pinch myself at times. Cause it was like, actually doing what exactly what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, when it's exactly what you want to do, you'll do anything to continue to do that. Right. And they don't really prepare you. I mean, they do like the, the wise coaches will kind of tell you like, will you do this for free? And that's kind of like the, the, the filter 
that they pass their interns through. Like if you're willing to do this for free, you're, you would be invested enough to, to go through all the, the shit that comes with that. Right. You know, the, the long hours, the low pay and, and all that, you know, like that comes with it. So, I mean, again, it, it, it was, and it, it continues to be like a dream job for me. It filled me up beyond, beyond belief, you know, but there are obviously some, some negatives to that. So, you know, on top of me, you know, being a immature mid twenties party animal, uh, and my habits there on the weekend, I wasn't making any semblance of like a real salary at all, especially when we first started out. So, you know, you go from unpaid intern to unpaid volunteer, and you're basically working for pennies, you know, you, you get like some meals and some gear, but you're not, you're not making any money. And for me to kind of continue to go out, like I was, you know, <laughs> making money, you know, it was, I was barely surviving kind of put it that way. And, uh, you know, it's a quick little story. My second year there took an over my first year of taking over Cuse lacrosse, uh, 2013, we ended up making it to the national title game. My first year, it was like beginner's luck. That's what, that's what it was. Um, you know, but we're playing in the national championship game, you know, uh, Lincoln financial field, freaking on the sideline, all this stuff. And at that moment I was homeless. I was sleeping on, three of my buddies couches with the my clothes in my trunk. And, you know, that's basically how I was surviving. Cause I, I couldn't really pay rent. And uh, no, I don't really, not many people know that. Like the people that I tell these stories to, they know that, uh, but that was like, you know, you're not making any money when you first start out. And, you know, I was scraping by um, and, and that kind of was like, something I really had to unlearn in myself as, as I began to kind of mature in ways is to have like value. Yes. The dream job, but also value your salary, like draw the line a little bit as to like what your worth is and, and what you really need to survive. And, and then some right to create more space and, 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 and uh, you know, just, just leisure in your life. And, you know, these are things that, stuck with me and you know i'm still kind of shaking or learning i guess learning my way out through uh just through experience and and awareness and you know what we talk about and you know they, that was kind of compounded over years so like even my last couple of years there like towards my late 20s i was still kind of in the party animal mode still and didn't like make a dramatic raise it was just maybe like a small bump and you know, kind of still falling into similar habits. And when I decided to kind of move on and, and want to go into the private sector and, and go back to school and all these things with a little bit of a, a tangent, uh, in addition to the career, I was still like scraping by and I had to ask my roommate for 40 bucks to fill up my gas tank to move out back home. Like I was like, it was, I was scraping dude. And you know, it was, again, it's like the dream job. Yes. Um, but I didn't really value the salaries at all. Um, it was something that like, yes, this is something I want to do. Like no brainer. Right. And to weigh like, yeah, this is very important. Um, but can I, can I, is this like a, a foreseeable future? Is this something that I can build with? Is this something that I'm going to be able to, you know, build a family around, uh, which where I wasn't really focused on that at all. Um, you know, so other than that, and then, you know, I mean like then going into the private sector, it was kind of like getting, getting, you know, getting thrown to the wolves a little bit. And, and now being in control a little bit of my rate, my, my schedule, you know, we're in a college setting. It's like, 
you show up at freaking 6 30 you go home at 7 p.m and it's just like you know you do that for 12 months out of the year and you know being in the private sector it's like you have a little bit more freedom but you also have to create your own boundaries in a way and you know when i first started it was like yeah i got a freaking awesome resume i can walk in any place and get a job and all this stuff but i was still letting other people determine my my worth my rate my hours my schedule um, and that led me to kind of doing the same thing where I was just continuing to just like put my head down and work and not really take my head out of the sand and say like, is this the life that I really want to live? Right. Is this the salary that I want? Uh, these, the, is this the hours that I want to want and, uh, that I want to work? And I was kind of getting pulled down the same, same hole where I started taking, you know, another job, another private, more clients, more this, and ended up being full-time student with three jobs with, you know, between two gyms and pro lacrosse. And then I was tutoring on the side through some students uh, at school. So I, I literally had like zero time and I was still making <laughs> zero money because I was paying for school out of pocket. And it's just like, you know, it was, I was, ba it's basically the same synopsis. It was just in a different location, right? It was just kind of the same schedule with the same barely getting by and, and overworked, um, you know, and, and things like that. So it was like, you know, yes, these things are a dream jobs for me. Um, but to learn more about a, like my worth, you know, what am I really worth? not really letting other people determine, you know, how much that should be is kind of mm -hmm. taking that ownership on, on myself and creating boundaries, I think was uh, still something I'm working on is to create to create boundaries to say no, to say more shifts or more clients or, you know, if they don't really align with the life that I want to live. And, uh, you know, being in a way like I always thought more was the answer to, to progression you know, more shifts, more clients, more knowledge, like all more certs, all this stuff where now I'm on like, well, instead of just adding, why don't you just subtract what you're not mm -hmm. really like eliminate what doesn't align with you. And then it becomes like super freaking clear. Like this is the path I want to go. Let's build with that. And ultimately now these boundaries are set and I, I have a clear vision as to the path that I want to walk. Yeah, man, that's, uh, that's, that's huge. There's so much there. And, and one thing I just want to kind of unpack a little bit is the actual journey that you were going through while in the, the collegiate strength space. So you go in, you get a four-year degree, I imagine, like exercise science, something like that. Yeah. Exercise science. And then come in. Do you basically right out of school, get the job at Q's? Yeah. So my last semester of college, we have an option to do an internship, 15 credits. We don't, you don't go to class, you go to your internship. Yeah. And that's kind of built into our, our undergraduate degree. I was lucky enough to my professor at the time's husband was the assistant coach at Cuse. He's always looking for interns. I was, you know, I fit the mold a little bit. And uh, so when I was done with that internship, it was like 500 hours or something. Then I graduated, went home and they actually called me back and was like, Hey, you did a nice job. We, we like you, <laughs> you know, and uh, we, we, we'd offer you to come back, but we can't pay you. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you're basically an intern again, but you're not getting college credit. You're just getting like free food, free gear. <laughs> and like, you know, you get to stand on the sideline and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. experience, which all comes with that. So, I mean, that was like how I got sucked back in and uh, ultimately decided to hit up my buddies. Hey man, like, I don't have any money. Can I sleep on your couch? And uh, they were like, yeah, dude. And then I was back in college again. Yeah. Yeah. So internship while you're in school, internship 
as a professional, basically an unpaid professional. And then how long did <clears throat> the internship last before you were like actually making anything? I was never really making <laughs> anything. I mean, again, in combination with like my habits was, which were not the best, but I mean, you know, any college strength industry coach knows that you don't really do that for the money you, and the, the entry level positions are like really, you know, not, I mean, not that much. I mean, so at first it was like, I mean, a couple bucks an hour. And then it was like, then you get the benefits and all that stuff, which definitely helps. And then you're slowly kind of bumping up, but until you kind of like crack through into like the head of the department and, you know, you're continuing on, it's, you're, you're, you're struggling a little bit. And yeah, I think it, sorry, it's, right, right. it's more like they don't, like you get like this really low salary and it's just like infinite amount of hours, right? Like it's just yeah. like insane. Like if you break it down by the hours, like pennies. You're, you're always making the same, you know, your check is the exact same every week. It's, yeah. you know, but your schedule could be freaking all over the joint. Right. It kept, what you said in the beginning about um, being in the, you know, in the stadium on, you know, in playing in the national championship and kind of looking around and then thinking about the fact that you were like homeless <laughs> at the time. It reminded me of, um, I don't know if you guys ever saw the 30 for 30 with the Michigan Fab Five. Do you guys? Ever uh, see yeah, that I've seen that. Yeah, I haven't seen um, it. But. And I remember Chris Weber saying he was like, same deal. Like, he's literally like a national superstar on ESPN every morning. It's, and he was walking by the school store seeing his own jersey for sale. And for like, what, like whatever the jersey cost was like more money than he had in his mm. name. And he was like, something's wrong here. Like, this doesn't make sense. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's not the exact same thing, but just kind of remind me of that, that similar feeling. Like, this mm. is something that's like adding up here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a cool share. But anyway, yeah. sorry, Jordan, you were about no, to say No, yeah, that. no, it's, it's just such a, a strange thing in the world of collegiate strength and conditioning and stuff, because we obviously understand the value of it, of, of that position and that role. And they understand it because they have you there you know, 25 of 24 hours a day, <laughs> you're, you're there all the time, but yet the positions pay peanuts. Mm. And it, it's like, do you have any, um, any, any glimpse into kind of why that is like, do they just not put the value on it that highly, you know, compared to, cause I know some college, like the head coach of sports teams, some of them, they, they do pretty well. Mm. And yeah, there, actually, there's, a lot, there's a lot of money in the school systems, but yeah. there isn't anything for that position. I would actually I just have to clarify this too. So like Nick Saban, right? His strength coach is like the highest paid person on his staff, you know? So it's like certain sports, it's, it's very lucrative, certain positions, certain universities, and, you know, and the higher up you go, you're, you're elite, right? And you're, you're the most valuable person uh, on the staff, right? So, you know, the, the, the Clemson's, the, the, the Alabama's, you know, you know, the Notre Dame's like these, these, you know, head strength coaches, uh, they're, they're like the, the top paid, um, you know, but if you work for an Olympic sports team, like, like I was for a number of years, you know, it, 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 this is collegiate like sports in general too. It's like, you have your, your money re generating uh, revenue sports, you know, like your football, your basketball, and, you know, maybe one, one other, other sport, the, the other sports, they don't pull in any money for the university. So, you know, they're not going to like, oh, this guy is like the most important dude. We need to pay him so much money. It's like, yes, he's important, but, you know, we have to allot our money to what's going to make the university money. And, you know, the, the, the dynamics of that is, is, it is what it is. It's not like, you know, that's, that's, that's the business of, of the university and college sports. Um, you know, so is strength conditioning like, you know, 
if you get into it and you're really good and you work for a football team and you you link up with a with a coach who's like a freaking genius and next thing you know he's like you know rising up like bill belichick and you're his right hand man like you're gonna be fine and but that's no in in no way like easy right there is like so much sacrifice and it is very pretty rare and it's a fucking bloodbath you're competing with every little thing and every little guy kind of wants your position and so it's it's very cutthroat um you know but again if you're not if you're not ready to do that and you're just like okay with working you know your olympic sports teams you kind of have to be okay with, with like not making as much as you maybe want to you know you're not pulling in like 250 a year like some of these guys yeah yeah, so generally it has to be something that you're incredibly passionate about and willing to take some sacrifice for. Absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's again, it's if you're very passionate about this stuff and you, and you love, like what I really can just pinpoint is like the, I would say like the most distinct difference from college strength conditioning to private sector is just the team atmosphere, like the, the brotherhood, the sisterhood of a team. And everybody's on the same page everyone's on the same mission they're they're suffering for the same goal right in the private sector it's like oh i play football i play baseball i do this and like we're kind of in there and we're all like friends but we're not literally you know willing to freaking suffer for one common goal and then that's what's like that will pull you right the hell in and you won't you'll be okay for 20 years because you get that you're in that environment um and and that's something that you you can't replace it's probably it's for some people worth more more worth more than salary itself yeah, that's uh, I never would have put it like that because like well, we've all been on teams and we've all not been on teams and we understand the value of it, especially once that's something that's gone. Yeah. And so having that mutual suffering is is definitely huge. And so so, yeah, I know this is definitely a thing a lot of people think of that they want to go down that route. Is there anything else you'd really add to, say, uh, uh, um, you know, a young 16 year old Matt thinking that he's going, you know, wants to get into that collegiate route? Is there you know anything you'd give to, to him for direction or anything about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, just continue to be passionate about what your your passions are. Like, kind of very get get very clear with what interests you. And every, everybody's different. And I actually read something recently. Like, you can't control what interests you. Like, it, it just they come to you. And and when they do, like, freaking go into those and and let that guide you. And if it guides you into collegiate strength conditioning or private sector or or a different trade. That's okay, but always again, like the, the theme of this is always be ready to kind of learn from the, the the negative, right? Learn from what you don't like about it, and then you know what did what you did learn apply, and and maybe your situation can improve. Yeah, that's awesome. Like it was great while it was until it wasn't, mm-hmm. and then it was time to move on. I actually do think like I don't know. This is maybe me like when I'm like sixty, like an old wise man with a big beard. Maybe I'll get back into it just with with a little bit more <laughs> wisdom and knowledge. Who knows? It, it reminds me, I, I just said this to a client the other day. Um, I forget who or what, what we're talking about, but even the things you're most in love with, it becomes, it, it becomes easy to fall out of love with it when you're not taken care of, like when your personal needs aren't taken care of. And in many ways, I mean, there's that, that is time, right? That's our own health, of course. And then but the big one in many ways is money, right? Mm-hmm. If we're not being financially compensated, and feel like we don't, we're not earning our value. These, the thing that we love, all of a sudden we kind of start loving it a little bit less over time, you know? So, um, but anyway, I just want to throw that in there. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is all awesome stuff. And I think that's a, a good little transition to kind of jump a little bit over into my story of things um, as a career CrossFit coach, working full time in a gym. Um, money was one of the things that I thought was the big issue for me. I thought that was the, uh, the thing causing so much of my unfulfillment and, you know, eventual departure of my gym. And so just, yeah, like if I had to describe like a, a quote unquote failure of my career so far, it would be the, uh, the relationships and the, the career of working in the, the gym that I started at. And um, just to give a little context of how I got into it, it was a super organic situation. I came to this gym to train. He put on a, a hockey training program in the off season and uh, he it was a new gym. It was just him. And, uh, and yeah, I was working out, all that stuff. He basically, it was just him. He was looking for another coach. Um, I was really into this stuff. And he basically said like, hey man, do you want to coach a couple classes like while you're still playing? And I did, it was great. That year, my hockey career ended and he straight up asked like, do you want to come on board full time and make this, your, make this your career? And I was like, sure, that seems like fun. And uh, I knew I was into this world of things. And it, it started out a little on the, the rough side. Um, I was there five days a week from, you know, 5 a.m. to 1 p.m. or whatever, coaching my, because it was only four classes. So there was a lot of downtime making like 15 bucks a class. So I was getting, you know, I was, I was there basically full time getting like $600 paychecks every other week. Um, but I was living at home. So it was fine. Like it wasn't really a big deal. And then honestly, things grew pretty well. Um, like objectively, things were quite good for me in terms of, the average coaching situation, you know, by the end of it, or I guess I should say at, at its peak, I was, uh, I was on salary, I was making, you know, 40 grand a year, like committed, um, I had vacation pay, a set schedule, I could get time off when I wanted, um, I had say in how things went, the coaching, like the, the members were good. Um, funny story that I remembered my, my boss and I, we actually started a rent, a business in the middle of it that completely flopped. We were building an online business. We paid a bunch of money for some branding and stuff. Um, all in sports systems, the, the greatest business you never heard of because it <laughs> didn't get off the ground. Um, we still got the logo around. It's a good logo, but, uh, but yeah, no, things were actually were good, but yet at, for some reason for the, for, for, at the same time, I was still incredibly unfulfilled not happy with the situation with where it was going and there was a lot of things that I did wrong in the process leading up to that because yeah like objectively it could have been a good situation I could have grown it a little bit more and uh and you know had a a decent career out of this but there was a lot of things that I did wrong in the the relationship that that ended up blowing up that had to go separate ways and so one of which being um thinking it was all about money it, uh, there, there was, you know, like I'll dive into a couple spots, but my, my former boss and I had a lot of differences in our communication in, in, you know, kind of where we wanted to go and how we saw things. And I thought like money was the problem. It's like, oh, if I, if I made more money, if he paid me more money, I would, uh, I'd be happy here. You know, I'd feel valued. I'd feel fulfilled. And yet every time there was like a, there was a, uh, a pay bump or anything came up, it didn't change anything didn't change anything at all. It was still the same situation. And so, you know, going forward, looking into all of these other, these other things, there's so much more to it than just money. You know, I, I enjoyed the coaching I did, but one of the things is that just coaching group classes wasn't lighting me up. You know, I did it for two straight years. I was good at it and it was fun, but it was that, that, that was kind of all it was. 
And one of the things that I realize now is I expected more, I expected more money, more, you know, responsibility, all of this without giving more value, which in hindsight is like, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous to, to think about, you know, like me going out there and asking for a raise or asking for more this or more that without providing to the business. Like that just doesn't make sense. And in, in hindsight, it's so obvious that in order for you to, um, you know, get a raise in order for you to, uh, receive more value, you need to give more value to the clients and to the business. And this is where a lot of the stuff that we teach now is the value to the business is you being able to generate revenue in some way. Like as a group coach who shows up in coaches classes, you're not actually generating anything. You're servicing what's already there. And so the skills to bring in new stuff is actually incredibly valuable as a coach. And one of the things is that like as a group class coach, which is primarily what I did, I coached group classes and some personal training stuff that primarily my boss programmed. So I wasn't even on the programming side is that it's a fairly low value position in the, in the sense that the difference between the great coach and the mediocre coach is very, uh, is very small in that capacity. And this became like, again, really clear to me recently. One of my best friends just started coaching at the gym I'm at, I, I go to. Um, she's been doing CrossFit for two years, doesn't have a big background in this. And she coaches a class. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, damn, like I couldn't really give much better of a class than that. Like, honestly, she can like, she, she doesn't have nearly the experience I have nearly any of this, but in that hour, she can affect people basically the same as I can. So even as like, a top-notch coach like I again like I, I would consider myself above average as a, a group group class coach for sure you can only impact people so much and it's only so valuable and so that was a, a big disconnect for me was you know understanding that as a, a, a coach who you know coaches group classes I can only be worth so much and there's only so much to grow and then um, one of the big things was again just not understanding myself within any of this because I, I've had this entrepreneurial type spirit for, for a while in the sense that I like to work hard and go the extra mile. And when working for someone else, there's not necessarily an incentive to do that. Um, and uh, and kind of similar to you, Matt, actually, how you say like, you're always kind of on, like the, the money's the same, but your hours can change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was only expected to be there from, you know, five to one or whatever my, my schedule was, but I was always on. I was thinking of ways to try and make it better but because of the disconnect between my boss and I, between the gym and I, it's like, why am I doing this? And it just started to question all of that, which through, again, a process of communicating and actually articulating that, there were ways that we definitely could have made this work. There were, da- there were ways that you know, I-, I could have been the, the, entrepreneurial, um, the entrepreneur within the gym, but my ego got in the way. And, and for me, it basically turned into like a, uh, an ego contest between me and my, my former boss about like, oh, who's the, the best coach here? Like, who's everybody's favorite? Who's all, all of this stuff? And all obviously, like what it's, you're, you're on the same team here and you're button heads about who like, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, it doesn't go well. And, uh, and being able to communicate what I actually wanted, like all I could, all I could say is what I didn't want. You know, I, I didn't want to be, you know, devalued and paid not enough, but I had no idea what I actually wanted. Mm. And so there was no way to win. Mm. And um, there was just a lot of just unfulfillment and, and yeah, like miscommunication. And the funny story about uh, 
kind of where it all came to a head is basically a, another gym had approached me and was talking to me, um, like not trying to poach or anything like that, but he was just kind of like letting me know the doors open. And at one point I was at the gym and I had opened a, a Google document saying uh, like plan for Brad at body shop, which is like the, the other gym. And so I, I typed that up and I had like a couple things typed up. And I, and then I went to go coach a session and I left it open and my boss came in and like, that was the first thing he saw. And so (laughs) as soon as he saw that, he kind of knew that uh, there was something here and that was basically where it came to a head. And uh, eventually, yeah, I made a a departure from the gym and had to kind of move on with my ways. Long story short, it would have, it it never would have worked for me to stay in there forever, but as opposed to it being like a blow up, and kind of like a, a really like dissolvement of it. It could have been a very um, cordial and very uh, professional separation of ways where it's just like realizing that we don't align, realizing that we have different ideas of what we want. And then in a very respectful way, like going our separate ways because, you know, it's been a year and a half and him and I we haven't really talked, like it kind of blew up from there. And it all stemmed from me basically being entitled, feeling like I was deserved more than I actually did in the moment because he treated me well, um, objectively and stuff and, uh, and then not communicating stuff. So there was, there was a lot there as like the coaching role on the backside, um, in, in my situation there. That's, uh, Brian, you want to hit it? Yeah. I was gonna say that's, that's all like awesome stuff, especially for, um, I think, a coach in that position, especially if they're a little younger, especially if, you know, they work for someone else full time and get feelings in a lot of ways where, and I think this is really common to feel like, Oh, if I, like, like I have, you know, I could do it better or I could run this, you know, maybe like I could run a gym better than this, or like I have ideas, but it, it ends up being like this battle between like what I think would be right and what the owner wants to do. And there ends up being conflict as opposed to being like, present to the owner hey i think you know i have some ideas that i think can really you know increase our value and what we deliver to our our members um here's what i can do like here's the responsibility i can take in the role i can step into to make that happen um and so instead of doing that we kind of like get frustrated everybody just gets up getting frustrated and there's not like you know a lot of solution oriented discussion around that kind of stuff and i also wanted to to quickly note you said something that was really important that um you were very clear on what you didn't want, but you weren't clear on what you do did want. And that I think is something that we see all over the place from in all aspects in the business, but then really in, um, in our own health and, and, and happiness as well. Right. It's like, here are the things that suck. I can quickly, you know, ask me what sucks right now. And I can, you know, rattle off a hundred things I'm pissed about, you know, frustrated with, not happy about, wish were different. But then when, if you ask for a, a detailed description of what, you'd rather have it be like, it's like, well, you know, I guess I would just want a little bit more of this. Like, it, it's hard to say. It's very, very unclear. And we don't have clarity. We don't have a target. We don't have, we, you can't hit a target that, you, that doesn't exist. Um, and so that's in, in all aspects of, of healing, that's incredibly important to have that clarity on what we do want, not just what we don't want. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to jump in and, and kind of mm-hmm. double click on that. But um, Matt, did you have a thought? As well? Yeah. I mean, I love what he said about uh, Jordan, what you said about like, you know, you want more money and you know, that would change you. But until you changed yourself, the money won't come to you. And mm-hmm. I think like, that's, you know, we, we want more, but we're not willing to change ourselves. And when we do change ourselves, we are existing as a, as a, you know, 
a higher potential. And then all of a sudden money starts kind of attracting us in a way where we're attracted mm-hmm. to it. And, you know, that's something for me as well. It's like, I was, you know, go to sleep at night. It's like, fuck man, I need more fucking money. <laughs> it's like, but I wasn't changing. I was still going out and fucking partying and, you know, being a, a young, yonged out 20 year old dude. And I wasn't changing and I was still like stuck in these same loops and it was so much. So operating from like this big inflated type of ego and almost this, as the bigger my ego got, you know, dude, again, like D1 strength coach, I'm like 26. Like, I'm like, dude, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm on the, the right track here. I'm the yeah. man here. But my ego was like growing and growing and growing. But the ability for me to communicate, you know, what my, what I really uh, could have used more, you know, again, like either just even like my vision as to like how I see the, you know, we can alter maybe how we train our athletes or, you know, again, like, you know, with a paycheck as another thing is like, I, the bigger my ego got in my mind kind of restricted my ability to communicate what I was displeased with or what mm. I, you know, really was, was able to speak from like my true vision and my true heart. Mm. And until I, you know, made some changes internally and was able to start to learn how to communicate and kind of put the ego down, not to dissolve it, but to just tame it in a way and understand when it can serve you well. And when it it's kind of not serving you well, learn that dynamic and learn how, you know, the internal dynamics work and ultimately learn how to communicate in a cordial way. Like you said, it's like not everybody, you know, in your relationship is like on board with you, but to be able to just professionally kind of say, Hey, like we disagree on this and I wish you the best. And, you know, we're, we'll be in touch and, you know, whatever, we don't have to clash or be enemies, but mm-hmm. let's just professionally end this and, and go on our way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, where like, again, it, this relationship wouldn't have lasted. I wouldn't have stayed in that gym forever just because of the visions I have for myself, but it could have ended in a much bigger way. And I like how you put that. It's you, we, we want people to give us more or we want to have an expansive life while remaining the same version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Dude. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. And so there has to be some form of growth and change and involvement of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then the other things end up coming almost as a byproduct. Yes. As a, yes. a byproduct of all of that. And yeah. I, I want to yeah. hit on that real quick as well, too, because just what, keeping this in the realm of, of health, um, that's, again, it's so common where you'll hear people like, I just want to lose a little bit of weight or I just want to have, you know, be a little stronger, have a little more energy or this, that, like, in other ways, insinuating that they don't really want to like everything's good. Like I don't really want to change anything. I, you know, like I like my life and what, I just want to lose these, you know, 20, 30 pounds, whatever, but not realizing that whatever is going on in their life is what's resulting in the way we look and the way we feel. So if we don't like the way we look or like the way we feel it's, you know, we need to change all the things that we're doing. Right. It's, you can't just like, Oh, let me just make this weight go away because the person that weighs 30 pounds less is living a different life and doing different things than you're doing right now. Um, you're, you look exactly like what you do every day and whatnot. So um, anyway, just like to keep it in the realm of what we, mm-hmm. we focus on primarily, it's um, it, that's a common, very common theme. And we're, we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it, right? It's like, I just wish this was better and that was better, but like, we're not really looking to, we want to change as little as possible, right? We want to keep things the same as much as possible. I would, yeah, I'd also, I'd like, and to directly link change to like pain or suffering or, Mm-hmm. you know, discomfort, like they are one and of the same in order to change. You have to go through yes. some point of just suffering or discomfort or, and then like a bottomless pit and then learn your way up. That mm-hmm. is change. And, and right. that's like the ultimate catalyst for change. And the closer we can unify the, those two terms together and almost expect that 
the faster we grow and yep. the more we can grow. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the big one for me is I was resistant to the discomfort of just having hard conversations. Mm-hmm. That was, mm-hmm. That's what it was. It was, uh, you know, there, there, there was a lot of conversations that I wanted to have and I avoided. And over time that compounded to the, the butting heads to the, uh, the resentment big time between both my boss and I, like it went both directions. Mm -hmm. And again, I was blaming him. I can't speak for him, but he was probably blaming me when in reality, I know of so many things that I, um, did wrong and I was ungrateful for, and just, uh, I didn't handle well. Mm. And, you know, it goes kind of both ways. And, and so again, like I, I left that job thinking that like, Oh, I never wanted to have a boss again. I wanted to, to work for myself forever. And the one thing that like, like, yes, I, I do want the freedom and have the ability to explore and, and go, uh, go in the, the direction that aligns with me, but that's what it was more about. And so for, for any coach who's in a similar spot where maybe they don't align with their boss or they feel they have to go out on, out on their own, maybe, and maybe you just need to find a, a boss or find someone who does align with you mm-hmm. because now, like, again, I jump on the team, like Brian is my boss. And this mission that we're on lights me the hell up and I feel valued. I feel like I'm a part of an amazing team. And it's, it, it's something where like, I can't imagine not being on something like this. I love having a leader who's, you know, guiding me in the direction that I want to go. So basically as a, a coach in, you know, any kind of situation, you don't necessarily need to write off working for someone forever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about just finding the situation that, uh, that allows you to like really thrive and do your thing. Um, and maybe that doesn't exist and maybe you need to start it. And in, in which case, like go for it, like create what you want to have in this world. But uh, it doesn't mean writing off someone forever. And, uh, and really what it all comes down to is figuring out whether you're the, the owner, whether you're the coach, whether you're the, the client or consumer, it's just about creating the, like the win, 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 like mm-hmm. for everybody. Mm-hmm. If, if there's any loser in the relationship, it's mm-hmm. not going to work. Nope. It's not going to work. And so you have to be intentional about that because if you just think of how it's going to win for me and then go try and convince them to give it to you, it's not going to work. And so, so yeah, that's I think it's a pretty good summary of everything from the coach side. And now I think it's a pretty cool, just uh, um, uh, mirroring of it to just jump right into the gym owner side to hear what it comes from the other side. So, so Brian, like to to throw it over to you and talk about your experiences, you know, owning a gym and being on the the other side of these relationships. Yeah, cool. Definitely. Um, Yeah. So when you, we, we, you guys first presented this topic to, to me about, um, you know, biggest mistakes and failures and, and how, you know, they ultimately, what we learned from them and stuff. I was like, oh, where do I start? You know, like how much time you got? Because I got, I got a lot of them here, um, but uh, they are important. And actually you said something in the intro, I forget what you said, but it triggered a memory of a quote that I just saw recently that said, uh, I'll probably butcher it, but it was something like um, life's too short to make every mistake. So you have to learn from you, you, make sure you learn from others or some other people's mistakes or something like that. Right. So like we learn from mistakes a lot. Like that's usually where we learn our biggest lessons. Um, But you know, it's always helpful if you can learn from other people's mistakes instead of having to make them all yourself. And um, so I'm going to quickly just uh, rattle off two, two big ones that um, are big, but and kind of lead me into, to what the main one I want to share. Um, So you know, I rode the wave of CrossFit, meaning I got in when it was, no one knew what the heck it was, anticipating that I knew it was coming, a big wave was coming. When that wave came, it was bigger than I expected even, and wasn't all good. There was some, a lot of, um, 
you know, pros and cons to that sort of, you know, become, you know, reaching the masses. But anyway, during this wave, at one point, um, we had ex- expanded our gym. We had kind of capped out. I only had a, a 2,000 square foot gym with one bathroom and one little waiting room. And we had 200 members in there. And it was a lot. And we were just, we were hitting our limit. And, but it was awesome. And I was, you know, was clearing a lot each month and business was growing every single month. And it was, the, the signs were that that wasn't going to stop. Um, so I, I didn't want to move to a bigger space because I didn't want to stop that momentum and do all this, which was a mistake in hindsight. Instead, I, I started renting another building a couple doors down and became like a twin facility where we had like a mere, you know, two identical roughly facilities where we were running simultaneous classes and all that kind of stuff. Very long story short, that was a mistake. Um, it ended up being costing me about $100,000 to do, you know, make that happen. And with all the new equipment and, and renovations and everything like that. And um, it allowed us to go from about 200 members to about 250 members, but I doubled everything, right? Like, so I only had a inc- small increase in membership, a huge increase in expenses. I had two coaches going at all times in each building. I had two um, front desk help at each, in each building at all times, double rent, double utilities, all these types of things. So um, about a year and a half to two years later, I, I we ended up, closing that down and recondensing back into one and getting creative and figuring out how we can make more with one building, which I should have just done the first time around. But, um, but anyway, so the, the kind of takeaway there is, is bigger is not always better. And I know that you can, you know, for a lot of coaches, we just think the biggest facility, the shiniest equipment, the most square footage, like that's going to be what makes, you know, us different or us better or whatever. Not always the case. Um, so coming off of that, I was feeling pretty stressed again, just really, you know, spent a lot of money and um, we're, was now in a much more financially uncomfortable position um, really during that whole time of like, we went back to now we need more people kind of feeling as opposed to like, we were good. We had people, we were clearing money, everyone was paid well, all that stuff. Um, as soon as we opened that second building, it was like, okay, now we need to get to 300 members if we want to make this work and it became super stressful. Um, secondly, on top of that, the next biggest lesson I had is that, um, when I grew this business, I had grew it with um, hiring my friends. I hired all of my friends from the beginning. And I don't necessarily, re- I mean, it's not the best thing to do in business at all. Um, I, if I said I regretted it, I'd be lying because we had an amazing run for, for many years with, uh, you know, unbelievable memories and um, that, that were really, you know, it was awesome in many ways. However, you know, it was, we were all in our twenties and we were friends, like we were old, like, you know, old drinking buddies and stuff, you know, from college. And it just, as it became more and more professional business organization, talking about expanding other locations, new positions, general managers, things like that. Um, uh, eventually there was just still too many um, disagreements and how things should be done. And like Jordan said, comp- um, this was on me. I just did not want to have hard conversations, especially with people that I loved and cared about. And and because I wasn't willing to sit in momentary discomfort, we ended up eventually after many, many great years and a lot of success, we ended up, you know, having to kind of part ways and it really put a riff in the community, which was, which was unfortunate. And then it really, um, I took it real hard. It was, you know, people who I really loved and cared about. And, um, I was just, just disappointed with the way things went down. And, um, 
you know, we, I still have so much love for them and we're still civil and everything, but those relationships are essentially, you know, gone on that level. So two big things there, you know, build, build, don't, you know, bigger is not always better and build friendships through business. Don't build business through friendships. Um, and I, I wanted to share this first because that led me to about 2015 roughly. And I was coming off these kind of two big mistakes, the big financial loss. And then the, our team sort of started, you know, kind of crumbled. We still had a few, few people working and whatnot, but the, the, the fire was kind of out among the team. And I was feeling, I was feeling defeated. I was, after all this, these years of success, I was feeling defeated. I was burnt. I was frustrated. Um, the previous five or so years, I was literally killing myself. And I, I, I remember being openly okay saying, um, and I would say this, that I, I'm going to kill myself until I'm 30. And my goal is to, but by the time, you know, the goal is to be, um, you know, in 30 in a position where, I'm just, you know, running the, the business, right? Like I have multiple locations and I'm kind of, you know, developing the team and, and stuff like that and, and basically living on, on my terms. But until then, I'm willing, I'm willing to kill, like literally kill myself until that happens. And I almost did. <laughs> but, uh, but the thing was now, uh, and I was, you know, making my way there for a while and then we, we derailed. And now I was closing in on 30 and I felt like I was farther from that than I had been. Um, for the first time in the in history, the in, you know income was dropping a little bit. New client, um, uh, people coming in was, was coming in a little bit slower. The phone was ringing less. Um, but most importantly, what was the biggest thing? And there was multiple factors to that, all that stuff. This more competition, more gyms around, whatever. But the most importantly, I felt like the evolution of CrossFit was kind of ending. Like it wasn't really evolving anymore. Um, you know, the games had become the pretty much the main focus now, the CrossFit games. Everything was very, becoming very commercialized. Um, the, a lot of the clients coming in were more there to just kind of like try the latest thing that they heard about that their friends were doing. And um, most of the, a lot of the other gym, there was gyms popping up all around us, charging literally half, if not even less than half of what we charge. And they were essentially like CrossFit, you know, boot camps, right? And it was, it was everything that I thought was wrong with, you know, the industry was becoming like the, 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 um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like everything that like was becoming common, right? Like, like the common way of doing CrossFit was, was with all the like things that I thought were wrong about it. So I'm in this position now and I'm, like I said, I'm exhausted from uh, this previous run and I'm just, you know, there's not much left in the tank, but I'm like, I'm, I'm held my ground to be the opposite. In fact, we doubled down on being the antithesis of all those things of, of, of holding our reputation of being a very coaching intensive gym, being a high quality professional service every step of the way. And um, so we kind of doubled down on that. And I, I, it was, you know, a lot more, you know, continuing to be a lot of energy. And um, one of the things is like, I always believed in the potential of the coach. Like to me, that was never like, Oh, just a fitness coach or just a CrossFit coach thing. And it might've been because I was just like um, young and, and maybe naive, but like in my mind, I came out of college and I was like the coaches that I knew and I was following were like experts. They really knew what they were doing. And I was, you know, studying all the time as videos, articles, um, work, any workshop I could go to books, like literally reading textbooks about like biomechanics and stuff like that, that was what I was devoting my life to. I considered myself a, a professional in every single sense of the, of the word. Um, and, uh, 
I was like, I'm not going to let the things, you know, that I love, I'm not going to let this profession turn into some pop fit boot camp, right? And I was like pretty determined to do that. Um, so again, we doubled down on the quality and, and the professionalism and, and I, I entertained some other aspects of training. Um, OPEX was one that I, I started going down and, and um, I, I realized that it was not, I, I, in that mo- in the moment, I, I like what they do and, and they're good at what they do, but I realized I'm like, you know, it's not really, the exercise here that's the problem like it's not that they, they need um like if i want to be deliver more it's not like just more like exercise um and i and it didn't seem like the answer and in that same time i started realizing that like all the stress that i was dealing with all this emotion and burnout and all this stuff like most of my clients were dealing with the same stuff all right in some in some capacity and i've shared this other times like different version of the same story stressed burnt out and most of them were there to like escape from that. Like they came to the gym to escape from that, to have this place where they could, you know, work out and sweat and breathe and high five and see their friends and have fun and, and kind of check out a little bit. Um, which ultimately, you know, I, I didn't want, that's not what I wanted. I didn't want my gym to be a place where people came to check out and avoid their problems. I wanted them to come there to fix their problems, you know? Um, so anyway, I started developing this program and I never actually, I don't know if I even told you guys about this. I've never shared about this before, but I developed a program called the Performance Lifestyle. And it was a lifestyle-based program for my members. Um, but it was kind of supposed to mimic what like a high performer, like a high-performing athlete would do, right? And like, um, it was the first really like 023 style offering that I've ever had. I didn't use the term, I didn't use the term 023 at the time or whatnot, but it was like this first idea of like taking it to the lifestyle. And um, it was inspired by Wim Hof, actually. And this was in 2014. There was one video on YouTube of Wim Hof, one video. Like, it was just like this news coverage of this guy who hikes the Alps in his, uh, in his shorts and barefoot and does this breathing. And I was like, this is insane. Like, I love this. Like, it's so cool. And I started getting into it. And I was telling people about it. And like, they literally thought I was nuts. Like, they thought I was kidding. And I wasn't. Um, but they did. They thought that. So I developed this program and it was kind of based on some of the stuff. It was, it was breath work. It was meditation. Um, but then it was also like food tracking, like very detailed food tracking, very detailed sleep logging, a lot of this accessory work. Um, even things like, um, like they had to track their urine shade in the morning to like, you know, mark hydration and things like that. And I was like, as I was putting it together, I was getting more and more detailed, more and more like scientific. And I was like really juiced up on it. And it flopped. It completely flopped. Like people just were not into it. Um, it was just way too much. It was way too complicated. Um, it gave the impression that like, this was like what you needed to do to go to the next level. Like, if, okay, guys, if you want to really like fix your you know, everything and go to the next level, like this is what it looks like. And it was like really rigid. It was really sciencey. It was very strict. And people were just like, fuck, if that's what the next level looks like. I don't really want to go to the next level that bad, you know? And um, it, it was really disappointing. And most people just kind of like didn't show much interest. A couple of, you know, um, clients that I really had a close relationship with were just kind of gave me like a, a little bit of a heart to heart of like, yeah, you know, man, like, we love this place. People just want to, you know, we just want to come and we want to just see, you know, work out and have fun and like, you know, the great community. We just like, this is what we want. And 
I respected that and I acknowledged that. And I was happy in a lot of ways that I was able to create that. You know, it took some time to like see like, wow, we really have built like an awesome community here and like great place and changed lives. But I realized I was like, that's not what I want to do forever. Like, I don't want to just have this place or people come here for this kind of stuff forever. Um, you know, like in my late twenties, I'm like, I, I can't really do this for another 20 years without it evolving. You know what I mean? Um, so I pulled the plug on the program and I, I decided um, that I wasn't going to be in this, like feel in this position much longer. So I was very frustrated. So I was frustrated on a lot of the changes that happened over the last few years, the, the bastardization of like my beloved, you know, CrossFit, like the pure organic, like health driven minds that like started the CrossFit movement. It was being like, you know, taken over, but I was blaming, I was blaming a lot of things on a lot of other things besides myself. I wasn't really taking a lot of responsibility. Um, and for the first time in my entire career as a professional, as an adult, as an entrepreneur, I felt like I was failing. I was like, this, you know, I'm failing. The, the, the best days of this are behind me. The best days of CrossFit Long Island are behind me. Um, you know, and you know, all the time being burnt out and tired and emotionally drained, like I was killing myself. Like all that was okay when we were like, you know, succeeding and we were, every month we were growing. We grew income wise and client wise every month for like 40 something straight months from like, like the six month mark to like the five year mark or whatever. Like we grew every single month. Um, so it like seemed okay. Like all the, 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 the damage seemed like it was worth it all of a sudden that was ending and now all the damage seemed to be a lot like, like now I'm dealing with like emotional burnout physically just beat to crap and all this stuff. So um, to summarize though, there's the few feelings that were really important that I wanted to summarize here. So um, one is like, I felt truly felt and believed that I was a high level coach and I was a true professional. And what I did was a, a you know, a, a valued profession but I was being lumped in with the kind of weekend workshop, um, you know, just boot camp style, uh, pop fit sort of trainers, right? And I, people, anyone that knew me and, and participated in any of my programs and all that, so they they knew that it was it was a huge difference, right? What they were getting, but I didn't. Other than that, like outside of that, I didn't really have much way of showing it. Um, I didn't have a way like for the general observer they kind of just, Oh, these guys are $99 a month. And this guy is charging two two fifty a month at his gym or like, and they, they didn't know the difference. Right. Um, and so that was like really hard. Like, how do I, how do I stand out? And I also, I knew my clients needed more. Like I said, I knew they needed more, but I knew it wasn't more burpees and thrusters. Right. I knew it wasn't more like, Oh, if I just get them this, you know, start working in this, time domain a little more this energy systems a little bit more like all of a sudden they're going to have these huge life changes like this, that just didn't make sense to me um but i didn't like really know what the answer was still uh and i knew as a coach i was the best person to help them with these next like level changes right we had long-term relationships they've had success working with me they respected my me respected my knowledge I knew I had the ability to do more, but again, I still just, I just didn't know what it looked like. Um, so 
ultimately these were the things that you know led me out of that position um but and in conclusion i i just i didn't know how to deliver the the you know what that more would look like the performance lifestyle failed because it was giving the impression that all this stuff was super sciencey and rigid and not fun and not enjoyable and all that stuff and not only that i didn't really know how to structure it i had no sequence i had no systems i didn't know how to educate them it was essentially accountability right it was like do these things here's a list of things to do every day so i didn't know how to deliver that um and i thought it had to be complex and very sciencey to be have a high value i was in this understanding that the next level was like the you know geeked out super geeked out and super sciencey and like you know that's how i'm going to prove that i'm better by having all this knowledge in this in this you know um you know stats and facts and like you know microbiology and um i know now that that's not the case obviously but that's how i felt at the time um but you know it was obviously not the case at all and then but most importantly the conclusion that that was the thing that was really preventing me from delivering on this next level and, and separating myself in the field and, you know, growing my career and becoming a, a multidimensional professional like Matt likes to call us. Um, the real problem was I wasn't living a healthy lifestyle. I wasn't living it. And, you know, so all these ideas that I had, like performance lifestyle and stuff, even if like, I just, I wasn't a good person to say, Hey, you should do this because people could tell I was, you know, I was still getting in the gym, but I had stopped competing. They knew I had injuries. I, you know, just wasn't who I used to be. Um, and I was run down. I was burnt out. I was stressed. And like, I don't think it was a conscious thing. Like, Oh, like I don't want to listen to Brian. He's not healthy, but like, they just, you know, I, they weren't like lining up at the door to hear what I had to say anymore about like this kind of stuff. Fitness, Okay, I had buys, I had abs, like check, like okay, I'll listen to what he says. But like other than that, I, I didn't really have much ground to stand on. And um that's what ultimately, you know, when I left the gym, started spending time for myself finally, rebuilt myself and started re like living, truly living the systems and not worrying so much about like understanding the the micro science of it, but just understanding the feelings of it and execution of it an understanding of nature and our relationship and all that stuff. Then I realized if I'm going to help people, I have to be living this full time and I have to just be showing them how to also live this full time. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously then that led into the, the birth of 023 really. And now we're able to do all those things I was, I was struggling with where we're able to help coaches um, deliver more and with structure, with sequence, with education, with understanding and, and do it simply and purely like nature designed. Um, it allows us to, you know, help coaches stand out by being able to show that they are, you know, a, a, the next level of fitness coaching, but also be able to clearly communicate it of who they help and how they help them and how it works. And, um, you know, it allows them to capitalize on that relationship they already built, these relationships they already have of people that respect them, come to them for to better themselves they're already coming to their gym to better themselves right we're able to help them capitalize on the the trust they already have built and deliver more and help people in other aspects of their life so um again very frustrating few years really burnt me out and, and broke me down but ultimately i was a you know this was born from that and it brings us to where we are today 
Yeah, that's all. Uh, that's all big stuff. I love how you just kind of wrap that up about the coach being able to help people on a bigger level and, and you know, learning the skills to deliver that value. Because uh, again, going back to just kind of my thing, that was essentially the step for me is figuring out how can I differentiate that? Yeah. Because you, you said like, you, you know, you're a true professional that you know that yes. you're a, a high level coach, but how do you stand out? Right. How do you do that? How do you show that and, and have something to deliver on it? Because I'm sure there's a ton of coaches, you know, listening to this and ton of coaches out there they know they're a good coach. Yes. They know they care about this stuff more than the average, uh, you know, CrossFit coach. Like you say, they don't want to be lumped in with the, you know, F45 boot camp coach, mm-hmm. whatever, because like they're a professional. But how do you show that? Yeah. How do you separate? And that's where, you know, learning these skills to go beyond just fitness, to help people in a bigger way is, is such a great differentiator to yeah help the people that you already have influence over. Mm-hmm. They trust yeah. you because they got the buys and the abs, maybe not as good as yours, right? But um, <laughs> definitely not. But definitely not. <laughs> but, uh, but they, you know, they, they, they trust you for your fitness. And so it's the natural progression to trust you for the other stuff as well. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. I would yeah. also add too. Like what you talked about being a coach is, is something that, you know, I say this all the time. It's like, I can only help somebody to the extent that I've taken myself, you know, I can only help people through levels or through points of suffering or through change that I've only occurred, that change has only occurred in my own, in my own, in my own life. And, but also willing, then willing to take myself through growth and through, you know, almost the treachery of, you know, like periods of talk about like, uh, being, you know, uncomfortable in uncomfortable situations and communicating and learning about ourselves and uh, integrating our emotions and all these things that really change us increase the value of our coaching ability. And it goes mm-hmm. beyond, it goes above and beyond. And I think the, the coaches that understand that they have to do this for themselves first and yes. then integrate this new self into what they kind of already do. And then ultimately help people and impact people on these bigger levels those are the coaches that are creating the separation mm-hmm. organically they're yes. there the, the effect that they're having is is profound and when that person goes and tell their friend like i know this guy bro he is like you know it, it's different it's it's something that uh is changing lives but it's only changed their life because you've changed yours yes and, exactly. and the willingness to do so is 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 important i always talk about yes. like the podcast we did with Steve, we're talking about, I, I truly can say that a coach, a very good coach is the most valuable profession in the history of humankind. Because wow. what you're doing is changing people's lives in, yep. in all regards. And, you know, it goes beyond barbells and, and all that stuff. It's if you can take an individual, sit them down in front of you, educate them, help them understand. And then that person is a different, you know, their trajectory of their life goes for the better that's a very, very important profession. Yes. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. That's, those are fantastic points. And yeah, that's the reason the performance lifestyle stuff flopped. One of the biggest reasons I wasn't doing that stuff. Like I planned on doing it like with them. That was like, it was also kind of me like, Oh, I'll rebuild myself. It's same. But like, it wasn't something that I could had already tested and proven. And obviously it wouldn't, have, you know, that's not how this stuff works. I, I know now, but yeah, I wasn't, leading from the front i was te- i was learning in the book and saying here do this which is you know what we teach our clients now the first thing they learn is that that's not how this stuff works in 023 it's not read it in a book and go teach it's you have to teach through the experience and I, I i didn't have it um but one thing yeah so like just want to double down jordan said too is like 
the one thing I never, ever, ever questioned the entire time was my abilities as a professional, that I am a professional and I can change lives. So it made it even harder when I felt stuck and I felt frustrated. It, it made it even harder because it's like, I know that I can do a lot, but like, you know, and then even after I stepped away before like, as I was formulating 023 and not really sure how to deliver yet, still fighting a lot of this. I was, you know, struggling from the business side, but like I never, so it made those lows feel really, really frustrating and low, but I never, ever once wavered from the fact that um, I'm a high level coach. I can change people's lives and, you know, that coaches in general, good coaches in general should be out there changing people's lives on, on a big level. So um, thankfully I, I never, I never faltered from that. And I, I saw it through even when it was really hard to, and um, ultimately it, it you know, get brought us where we are today. Definitely. I would yeah, say even too, hard. like we're, co we're, we're, co we've had, we've had coaches that ultimately mm -hmm. shaped us and allowed us to kind of step into the role of a coach. And it's because that coach changed us and that coach, you know, in, in some way planted a little seed and, and watered that seed and changed a little bit of your, your, your perception and, and allowed you to kind of step into yourself. And, and ultimately that's, grown uh, or allowed us to flourish and grow and and it's this you know economy that you talk about is coaching coaches coaches that the coaches it's this it's this one um you know it's this one transaction right it, it's it's a coach that can mold a coach that can mold another coach and 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 the, the story goes on yeah and just how we talk about you know big impacts of helping someone in a way that it ripples out into their lives even and like the, the principle of like decomplexifying, like Brian, you're talking, it was super complex at first yeah. when it's information from a textbook and you're talking science, like, yeah, it is complex, but when you live it in your body, all of a sudden you can start to see the patterns. It's like, this isn't so complex. Mm -mm. This can be really simple, mm -hmm. even in these, you know, complex human body. Yep. And, and once you understand that you, you learn to speak the language of it. And, 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 you know, how to articulate that it can, it becomes really simple to then, yeah, take it and coach the next person yes. and, and go down the line. And before you know it, like we're building a healthier, happier, more um, fulfilled, thriving planet, which is ultimately the goal. And Wim Hof and Wim Hof wasn't using textbooks, man. This, this dude, <laughs> like he, dude, he just had his, his thing and, and the science followed him. Right. right. He didn't, you know, go in with all this, you know, this, I'm going to breathe this pattern and, and influence this pH. And it was just like, he, he had an experience. He was able to change and, and people gravitated towards him. And, uh, right. and no, we I always want to jump right to like, well, we, let's prove, we got to, we got to prove to make sure that this is true. Like, mm -hmm. or he's showing that it's true. Like we could just, yeah. you know, like yeah. feel it for ourselves. Exactly. Um, but, uh, sorry. Yeah. I know I cut you off there. No, it's good. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, I think that pretty much covers my, my, ver my end there. Right on. Yeah, well, I think that's a, a pretty good, pretty good spot to end it, um, to start wrapping things up because you know, it, as coaches, we're just talking about experiencing things for yourself. You know, no matter what part of your coaching journey you're on, it's important to experience these things for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, like whether you're you're in the shit right now, you're going through, you're you're dealing with some of these struggles. Just leaning into that and and understanding that the lessons you learn, the things you pick up along the way are ultimately what are going to shape you into, you know, what you're supposed to be. We, we can tell you all the perfect things. You can listen to our stories and this and that, but until you live it and you see what happens, um, you're, you're not going to be able to, yeah, like decomplexify it for yourself and figure out your, your own lessons in your own path. 
So, you know, once again, to kind of summarize this whole idea of, you know, you win or you learn and, uh, you know, the, the like learning is the greatest thing to shape you and help you develop. Because as you can see, we've gone through a lot. Um, you know, we, we may uh, have a, you know, some things going on now, but there was a lot to get here. And the reason we're able to do it is simply because of that, because of the failures, because of the lessons. And as a result, actually, the quicker you fail, the faster you learn, yes. the faster you learn, the quicker you get to where you want to go. Yes. So, so ultimately using this as a, you know, kind of rocket fuel to lean into the growth, not be scared of making mistakes. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're going through the struggles and you know, what you perceive to be failure right now, like just keep pushing through, keep pushing mm -hmm. through, switch your focus to what you want to have happen, you know, get clear on where you want to go and, and really anything is possible. And, yes. and like, like Brian mentioned at the start, just do your thing to learn your way out of this situation and, and yep. keep growing, be strict in like where you want to go, but flexible in how you get there. Cause things are certainly going to evolve. Yeah. So, um, I think so, Matt said that by yeah. the way, just to clear. Was that Matt? Oh, just yes. make sure we're, all speaking, right guy. we're all, we're all speaking the same language. Yeah. yeah there well, it is. I, all right. I want, I wanted to close with one quick um, yeah. quote that just popped into my head too. I was on a friend of mine, Caleb's podcast. And he said on the show, he's like, and I think he kind of just said it on the spot, but he's like, I think, you know, entre true entrepreneurial success is, is just succeeding one more time than you failed. Right. So like fail and fail and fail, as long as you succeed one more time than you failed, then you're going to, you're, you're good. So yeah, you just keep, keep failing, failing and failing until the, until you get it right. And then you're, you're, your money so literally yeah and exactly and the, yeah the faster you fail the more people you can help to recruit you fail yeah. um the, the <laughs> faster you're gonna move towards uh towards where you go it's just that yeah. exponential failing yep. to to get you where you want to go so um right on guys thank you all for listening if you are interested in any of this you have any questions comments that this resonated at all definitely feel free to reach out we would love to hear from you you can reach us on instagram at 023 underscore coaching underscore system um thank you all for listening and we're signing off Peace. Later. See you guys, thanks.